you would help me. Uh, I've got a few things written down on a piece of paper and notes that I would like to say about this passage, but Father, I would rather that you would guide me and that your spirit would lead us, and Lord, that we could leave here tonight knowing that you've met with us, and and that everybody could leave here knowing that they've heard something from your word. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter 48, and if you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass, after these things, that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Jacob is sick. And if you remember from last week, he's getting ready to die. And Joseph goes to see him. If you look at verse 2, the Bible says, And one told Jacob, and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself, and sat upon the bed. Now this chapter is a very interesting chapter. Because this is the last intimate conversation between Jacob and Joseph, between a father and son, that we have recorded in the Scriptures. And by what I mean by an intimate conversation, I mean this is the last conversation that we have between Jacob and Joseph one-on-one. In the next chapter, we will see how Jacob addresses all... All of his 12 sons right before he dies and he goes through and talks to each and every one of them and Joseph is addressed in that speech but in chapter 48 he's got Joseph by himself and he's talking to Joseph and remember Joseph was his favorite son and Joseph was his loved son Joseph was the son that was born from the wife that he actually wanted to marry and not uh, the wife that he got tricked into marrying and this is a very intimate conversation between father and son and, and he's getting ready to die. And, you know, I, I, as I was studying this arena, I think to myself, what would I say to my son or my sons on my deathbed? What would be the advice or the things I would be talking to uh, my son if I were getting ready to die? And I'd like you to just see uh, very quickly three points tonight. I don't want to be very long tonight. Uh, the last couple Sunday nights we've been a little longer than usual, so I want to uh, not be too long. But I'd like you to see three things from the passage that uh, Jacob talked to Joseph about and that Jacob wanted Joseph to know about before he died. If you look at verse number 3, the Bible says, And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz. Now Luz, if you continue reading there, it says, in the land of Canaan, and blessed me. He's talking about the land, the promised land that God had promised them, the land of Canaan. He said, when I was in Luz, and if you remember, if you're with us as we're studying through the life of, jo- of, of Jacob, or if you just read the book of Genesis yourself, if you remember, God actually appeared to him at Luz in two different occasions. And I'm sure Jacob is thinking of both those times. And he said, uh, you know, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and I will give this land. You say, what land is that talking about? He's talking about the land of Luz. What's the land of Luz? In the land of Canaan. He's saying, God appeared to me in Canaan, and God told me in Canaan that He was going to give me this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. That word seed there is talking about your descendants or your children. And what Jacob is telling Joseph is this. He says, you know, I'm going to see you now for the last time. I'm going to have a conversation with you for the last time. I'd like to talk to you about a few things right before I die. And the first thing Jacob talked to Joseph about was about the promise of God. 
And Jacob was telling Joseph, Hey Joseph, I know we're in Egypt, and I know we live in Egypt, and I know you've made a career for yourself, and you've made yourself famous, and you've made yourself very wealthy and very powerful in Egypt, but I need you to understand something, son. God promised me at Luz in Canaan that he was going to take our seed and our family and our descendants and he was going to give them that land for a possession. Not Egypt, but Canaan. Say, why is he bringing this up? Well, if you look at the last chapter of verse 22, look at what he says. I'm sorry, um, not not, uh, verse 22, but verse 21. Look at what it says. It says, And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die. But God shall be with you. And look at the last phrase of verse 21. He says, And bring you again unto the land of your fathers. You know what Jacob was saying to Joseph? He was saying, Son, I'd like to remind you of the promises of God. And what I want you to understand about the promises of God is that the promises of God, when God says something will happen, it will happen. Go with me real quickly to Acts chapter number 7. In your New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, chapter number 7. And look at verse number 5 there. And I would advise you to maybe take your bulletin and stick it in Acts 7, because when we go away from it, we will be coming back to it later on in the sermon. Acts chapter number 7, look at verse number 5. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 7, in verse 5 it says, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the fifth book in the New Testament. Acts chapter number 7, verse 5, the Bible says, And he gave him none inheritance in it, No, not so much as to set his foot on, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession, this was God talking to Abraham, and to a seed after him, when as yet he had no child. I want you to see, God made a promise to Abraham. Before he ever had a child, he said, I promise you, I'm going to give you this land. And God transferred that promise down to Isaac, and we have it recorded in the scripture, where God actually talked to Isaac, and he gave him the same covenant, he gave him the same promise, and we have it recorded in scripture, where at last, God told Jacob the same thing, and gave him the same promise. You can go back with me to Genesis 48. And what I want you to understand is this. What Jacob was trying to explain to his son is this. We can stand on God's promises. And you're saying, son, no matter what, no matter how much time we spend in Egypt, we're not of Egypt. God will bring us out of this land. God's word will always prevail. And you know, something we can learn from this passage is this. We ought to stand on God's word and on his promises. Go with me real quickly. I told you to go back to Genesis 48. Keep your finger there because we we're going back to it. But go with me to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah is the first of the major prophets there. Big book in the Bible towards the end of the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter number 40. Look at verse number 8. Look at what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter number 40. Look at verse number 8. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in regards to the Word of God. Isaiah chapter number 40 and verse 8 says this. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth away, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. And you know, something that we can learn and we can gather from this passage is this. We can stand on God's promises. And something we must understand is that we can stand on God's word. And let me tell you something. If, when God promises something, when God says something, His word will stand. His word will come to pass. I remember hearing a quote. I've heard this quote my whole life. 
I'm not sure who said it or where it came from, but there's a quote that says, God said it, I believe it, the end. You know, circle something like that. God, you know, I've heard people say, God said it, I believe it, period. But you know, I've heard other people talk about that quote, and I think this is funny because it's true. You know, that's really an incorrect quote. It's not God said it, I believe it, period. It's God said it, period. It doesn't matter if you believe it. It doesn't matter if you agree with it. If God said it, it's going to come to pass. And Jacob is telling Joseph, hey, I know we're in Israel, in Egypt right now, and I know you're very comfortable right now, but let me tell you something. God's promises are true, and we're not staying here, son. You might as well start preparing for that. And Jacob said, number one, I want to talk to you about the promise of God. But number two, he said, I want to talk to you about the portion of God. The portion of God. I'd like you to look at something real quickly. Go go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 21. Let me give you just a little bit of a Bible study. Deuteronomy chapter number 21. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 21. And look at verse number 15. Deuteronomy chapter number 21. And look at verse number 15. The Bible says, if a man have two wives, one beloved and one hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be, when he maketh the sons to inherit that which he had, that he may not make the sons of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn, by giving him a double portion of all that he had, for he is the beginning of his strength, the right of the firstborn is he. The Bible teaches this principle, when you go back to Genesis 48, about the right of the firstborn. And here's what you got to understand. In the Bible, and in these days, whenever you had a son... At the end of your life, when you left your inheritance, because the Bible says a good man leaveth an inheritance for his children, they would divide up everything that was left over by the sons, and that would be the inheritance for the sons. But the firstborn son got a double portion of that inheritance. So if, if you had, you know, X amount of money or dollars or property, and you had two children... Your inheritance would be divided into three parts. And the firstborn would get two parts, and the other would get one. If you had five children, however it worked, you would always divide it by one more, and the firstborn would get double the portion of what his brethren got. That was the right of the firstborn. But if you look at Genesis chapter number 48, look at verse 22, the last, the last verse there. Look at what Jacob says to his son. He says, Moreover, I have given to thee, one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite, with my sword and with my bow. Now, Joseph was not the firstborn son. But Jacob was leaving for Joseph the portion of a firstborn. He said, I'm giving you your portion, and I'm giving you one portion above that. He said, I'm giving you two portions, a double portion, one portion above thy brethren. You say, well, why is that? Well, go with me to 1 Chronicles, chapter number 5. 1 Chronicles, chapter number 5. 1 Chronicles, chapter number 5. And you're there in Genesis. You've got Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You've got Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, chapter number 5. 
And look at verse 1. Now, Jacob's firstborn son was Reuben. He's the one that should receive the double portion. But look what the Bible says. First Chronicles 5.1. It says, Now, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of the sons of Joseph, the sons of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. Do you see that? Do you remember, I don't want to get into it, too many details, but do you remember back in the book of Genesis when Reuben literally fornicated with his, one of his father's wives and had that wicked sin and defilement? And the Bible says because Reuben, now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph. Because of Reuben's sin and the filth in his life, his birthright was taken away and it was given to Joseph. You say, well, how exactly was it given to Joseph? Go to Genesis 48. And uh, if this seems like too much of a Bible study for you, you know, I did a whole lot of yelling this morning, so we're just going to get into the Word a little bit tonight. But look at uh, Genesis 48, look at verse number 5. Say, how exactly did he give him the double portion? Well, Jacob gave Joseph the double portion by giving exactly one portion to each of his sons, because Joseph had two sons. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, and now, this is Jacob speaking, he says, and now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt are mine. He says, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Do you see that? He says, your two sons, they're no longer considered your sons. They're mine. He says, just like Reuben, my firstborn, just like Simeon are my sons, your sons from now on are going to be considered my sons. Look at verse 6. I like what he tells him in verse 6. It says, and thy issue, which thou begettest, the word begettest, they're talking about having a child, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine. And shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. Jacob is saying, Ephraim and Manasseh are now considered my sons. They belong to me. Now he said, Joseph, any sons you have after Ephraim and Manasseh, they'll be yours. But Ephraim and Manasseh, they're mine. They're, they're going to be considered my sons from now on. And I'm going to take one portion of my inheritance. I'm going to give one to Ephraim. I'm going to give one to Manasseh. And that's going to be considered your portion, Joseph. I'm giving you a double portion. I'm dividing it between your sons. Look at verse number 15. It says, And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my father Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed, all, which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And look what he says, And let my name be named on them. He says, Let my name be named on them. It's like if I said, I'm going to take one of your sons and they're going to be known as Roger Jimenez children from now on. Put my name. That's what he was saying to them. He said, he blessed Joseph and said, uh, said God before whom... Uh, and actually, you know, and let me tell you this. Verse 15, this isn't in my notes, but something so, so interesting for you to notice. Notice how it makes reference to the triune God. Because he says, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, talking about God the Father, be whom, before whom my father Abraham and Isaac did walk. And then he says, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. Talking about God who was in his life on a day-to-day basis, which could be speaking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16. And the angel, which to redeem me, do you remember when he wrestled with the angel, and we understand that that angel was actually a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there, he refers to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, 
and God the Son, making a reference to the triune God. And he says, The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my father Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He said, I'm going to give you a double portion, Joseph. Even though you're not the firstborn, I'm giving you a double portion. And the way I'm doing it is I'm taking your sons, I'm making them my sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And for the rest of the scriptures, Manasseh and Ephraim are considered part of the twelve tribes of Israel. And they are given the portions of Joseph, the double portions, one to Manasseh, one to Ephraim. And I want you to understand, you say, well, what, what can we gather from that? Well, here's what you can gather from that. God is no respecter of persons. God does not bless or decide to use a person or a people based on when they were born. If you look at verse number 8 of chapter 48 again, verse number 8, Joseph begins, or Jacob begins to bless his sons. Look at what it says in verse 8. He says, And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are they? Very interesting. Because Jacob said all these things about his sons. He said, I'm going to make them my sons. They're going to be mine from now on. But then he looks over and he sees two shouts. He said, who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, bring them, I pray thee, unto me and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age so that he could not see. And he brought them near unto him and he kissed them and embraced them. So you see that uh, Jacob was blind at this point. Uh, it seems like he could see shadows and shapes, but he can't really identify people. He didn't even realize that Manasseh and Ephraim were in the room when he was saying, hey, your sons are going to be mine and you know, they're going to belong to me from now on. But when he said, hey, who are those people with you? He said, they're Manasseh and Ephraim. And he said, hey, great, let me bless them. And look what he said in verse 11. He said, and Israel said unto Joseph, I have not thought to see thy face, and lo, God has showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both. Now follow very carefully what Joseph does in verse 13. And Joseph took them both. He's got his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. It says, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand. So Ephraim was standing at the right hand of Joseph, toward Israel's left hand. You understand what I'm talking about? So if I'm Joseph, I've got Ephraim on my right hand, Manasseh on my left hand. Joseph then would be, or Jacob would be standing, you know, if, if he were in front of us, his back would be to you. So obviously it'd be vice versa. And it says, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand, toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. Did you see what I'm saying? He puts Ephraim, he puts Manasseh, so that Jacob's hands will be vice versa. Say, so why did he do that? Look at verse 14. And Israel stretched out his hands, and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. Here's what you're going to say. When you were going to bless the sons, you'd always put your right hand on the one who's going to receive the double portion. The double portion would be received by the firstborn. So when Jacob was going to bless Joseph's sons, he says, here, Ephraim, go to your father's to my father's left hand, because you're the younger son, and here Manasseh, go to my father's right hand, because you're the elder son, but the Bible says that, that Israel stretched his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, 
who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly. He was doing this on purpose, for Manasseh was the firstborn. Skip down to verse number 17, look what it says. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it it displeased him. And he held up his father's hands to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's hand. So as, as Jacob is blessing these sons, Joseph goes over and says, I don't know, you know, he's kind of old and he's just, you know, senile. He doesn't realize what he's doing. And he begins to move his hand. He said, no, no, dad, you, you got it wrong. You got the wrong hands on the wrong side. And look at verse, uh, verse 18. And Joseph said unto his father, not so, my father. For this is the firstborn, put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And see, there there seems to be a pattern developing. Because the firstborn son is supposed to receive the blessing of the firstborn. And the firstborn son is supposed to receive the double portion. But throughout scriptures, we've seen this not to be true. Let me give you a few examples. God chose Isaac over his older brother Ishmael. God chose Jacob over his older brother Esau. God chose Joseph over his older brother Reuben. And now God chooses Ephraim over his older brother Manasseh. You say, Pastor Manasseh, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. If you're an older brother, you need to get right with God. (laughs) I'm the youngest, so praise the Lord. No, what I'm trying to say is this. God does not choose who He will and will not bless based on how they happen to be born. What order they happen to be born. Go ahead to Romans chapter number 2. Quickly. Romans chapter number 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter number 2. Look at verse number 11. Romans chapter number 2. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says, For there is no respect of persons with God. You know what that means? That means that God does not look at one individual better than the other. That means that God does not look at a person more than the other. God has no more respect for you than He does for me, than He does for any other individual. The Bible says, for there is no respect of persons with God. And so often we disqualify ourselves from what God can do, because we will make statements like this. God can't use me. I'm in the wrong economic status. I live on the wrong side of the strath. I live on the wrong side of the city. You know, I, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough talent. Maybe, you know, I'm the wrong color. I'm the wrong whatever. You know, we'll say, you know, we'll pick up all these excuses and say, God can't use me because I'm the youngest and I don't get the birthright. But you got to understand that God does not choose who He uses based on what family they were born into, based on what order they were born into, based on what money they were born into. He chooses to get use individuals who are willing to be used by Him. And you can say, I don't have any money, I don't have any education, I don't have any talent, I'm not tall enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not the right color, I can't do it. But God says, yes, I can use you if you're willing. Now I'm reminded of a story. One of my favorite preachers, his name is Jack Hiles. He's dead now. 
But he, he told the story of when he was a young man. And he was a young man and there was this other boy who was in his church and his name was Joe Boyd. And here's a very interesting about Jack Hiles and Joe Boyd. Both of these men grew up to be very famous, very successful preachers of the Word of God in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. And Jack Hiles, when he got... He got... He's, what happened was Joe Boyd was 17. When Jack Hiles was like 8 or 9. And Joe Boyd was this very strong... Very popular, very handsome. Uh, he was all-American football player in high school. He was very sinful and very just well-known. And Joe Boyd, God got a hold of his heart one day. And Joe Boyd got right with God and surrendered to preach. And when Joe Boyd went down and told his pastor that God had called him to preach and that he wanted to be a preacher for the Word of God, the whole church rejoiced and said, Praise the Lord! Joe Boyd got right with God! Look at him! He's so strong and he's so you know, talented and he's all-American football. God's going to use him! And Jack Hiles was this little eight, nine-year-old boy. Very weak boy. Very sickly boy. Used to suffer from anxiety attacks who just randomly begin to cry in the church service as an eight, nine-year-old boy. Like a three-year-old, like a two-year-old. His mom would often have to take him out of the service and console him because he had a lot of things that happened to him growing up, got beat by his dad, and all sorts of things that he had to work through. But nobody had any respect for Jack House. You know, he, he tells the story when he got called to preach. His, his, his mom said, hey, you should go tell the pastor. And he remembers, he said, he went down and told uh, the church on, on a Sunday night, God's called me to preach. And when Joe Boy said, God's called me to preach, the whole church said, Amen! And when Jack Howe said, God's called me to preach, the whole church went, Oh, me. Good night. And Jack Hiles often battled within himself saying, I'm not as strong, I'm not as good looking, I'm not as popular as Joe Boyd is. And they ended up growing up and becoming great preachers. But you know, Jack Howell tells a story, and it always amazed me. Jack Howell said this, he, he came to a point in his life where he said, if God called me to preach, then God's going to give me the strength to do it, and God's going to give me the power to do it, and if you listen to Jack Howell's preach, man could preach. I mean, he definitely grew out of that wimpy stage. But you know, Jack Howell came to the place where he said this, he said, I, I got to the place where I said, God, I can't offer you what Joe Boyd can offer you. I can't offer you the talent that he's got, the money that he's got, the education that he's got, the strength that he's got. I can't offer you those things, but God, Jack Howell can give as much to you as Joe Boyd can give to you. And if you're willing to use him, maybe you'll be willing to use me. And you know what? That man grew up and pastored the largest fundamental Baptist church that America has ever known. Saw more preachers trained and people saved. I mean, just yesterday my wife and I were talking, I was listening to this preacher, and he was talking about it, and he said, I was saved as a young boy on the east side of Chicago, and as soon as he said that, I thought to myself, he was saved through the ministry of Jack House. Because any preacher that I know that, I mean, you'd be surprised how many preachers I know that all came from Chicago. You say, why is that? Because that's where Jack House Church was, in Chicago. And he'd get people saved, you know, near Chicago, Hammond, Indiana. And he'd get people saved and trans people. And he did a great work for God. But he came to a place where he realized, you know what? God is not a respecter person. And oftentimes, you know, we're going through the book of Acts and we'll talk about Paul and we'll talk about Peter and we'll see all these great things that they did and these wonderful works that they did and these great, you know, acts of faith and, and all these beautiful sermons they preached and all these things. But we got to understand, there are men. 
use you and God can use me as much as He used Paul, as much as He used Peter, as much as He used Jack Howes, as much as He used anybody. God can use you and me. You know what the difference is? How much are we willing to give? See, if you're going to get somebody saved, you've got to go soul winning. Then why would we use like so and so? They get people saved all the time. Well, here's the difference. How willing are you willing to go? God, see, God is no respecter of persons. God can bless this church as much as any other church. God can bless your life as many other life. God can use you as much as any other person. But are you willing to surrender as much as the other person? I want God to use like Paul. Are you willing to sacrifice like Paul? Are you willing to surrender like Paul? Are you willing to be available like Paul? Jacob said to Joseph, I want to tell you about God's promise. But I want to tell you about God's portion, Joseph. Because you can become a great nation. I'm not going to take the time to do it right now. But, but you know, Jacob was right. You can go back to Genesis 48. I, I won't look at it tonight. But in Ezekiel 37, 16, the Bible tells us when the children of Israel, when they, their nation got split into two nations, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the southern kingdom became known as the children of Judah. And the northern kingdom, the other ten tribes of Israel, were known as Ephraim. Why? Because... Jacob was right. Ephraim became a bigger, mightier people than, than Manasseh. And see, you don't, it doesn't matter. You say, well, I don't, I don't have this, I don't have that, I didn't go to Bible college. I, I'm, I get sick and tired of people asking me what Bible college I went to. I, saw my, I went to the same Bible college that John the Baptist did. Oh, what Bible college was that? I don't know. When you find out, let me know. <laughs> I went to the same Bible college Moses did, and John the Baptist, and Peter, and James, and John, and not Paul, because he actually went to Bible college, and I got him in trouble. <laughs> he talked about the voice of God. Let me show you one more thing. We're done. He talked about the presence of God. He talked about the presence of God. Go to, you're there in Genesis 48, look at verse number 3. Look what it says. Genesis 48, look at verse number 3. The Bible says, And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And if you skip over to verse 21, look at what it says. In verse 21 he says, And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you. Jacob on his deathbed said, Joseph, I want to talk to you about three things. I want to talk to you about the promise of God. I want to talk to you about the portions of God. And I want to talk to you about the presence of God. He said, God shall be with you. God's going to be with you. But you know what the beautiful thing about this? Is that God was already with Joseph. Go, go back with me to Genesis 39. Chapter 39. Look at this. Genesis chapter 39. Look at verse number uh, 2. Genesis 39. Look at verse number 2. The Bible says, And the Lord... Look what it says, Genesis chapter number 39, verse 2. It says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was, prosper he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Skip down to verse number 21, same chapter. Look what it says, verse number 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. You see that? And showed him mercy and gave him favor. Skip down to uh, the last verse, verse number 23. It says, The keeper of the prison looked not on anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. I told you to keep your place there in Acts chapter number 7. Did you do it? Go, go back to Acts chapter number 7 quickly. Look what it says. Acts chapter number 7. 
Acts chapter number 7 is a rundown of the history of the children of Israel, and a portion of it is divided to the life of Joseph. And look what it says in verse number 8. Acts chapter number 7, verse number 8. Look at what the Bible says. Acts chapter number 7, and verse number 8. The Bible says, And he gave him the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham begat Isaac, and circumcised him the eighth day, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs, and the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. Look what it says. But God was with him. You see that? All throughout scriptures, God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. God. You say, why was God with Joseph? I think God was with Joseph because Joseph was with God. Joseph had a life of being in submission and, 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 and humbled himself before God. And God said, I can partner up with that young man. You're there in Acts. Go with me to Romans chapter number 8. The last passage we'll look at tonight. Romans chapter number 8. Jacob said, I want to talk to you about God's promise. I want to talk to you about God's portion. He said, I want to talk to you about God's presence. And in Romans chapter number 8, the Bible says this, beautiful verses. Verse number 35, the Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Are you getting the list? That's a pretty long list. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death... Nor life, nor angels, the devil's an angel, nor principalities, a fallen angel, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And let me tell you something, you better understand something. And you, you know, you that have parents, you better start. Don't wait till your deathbed. He was trained by Elijah. And when Elijah, the, the older prophet, was training Elisha, the younger prophet, and they both grew to become great prophets in the Word of God. And Elijah said, I'm getting ready to die. He said, ask of me one thing. that you're like, do, you, do you remember what Elisha said? This is what he said. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Well, well Elisha wasn't even related to Elijah. It doesn't matter who you're born to. Are you willing you can have God's promise, you can have God's portion. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but you always have God's presence. God's always with you. 
When you're alone, when you're tired, when you're scared, when you're discouraged, when you don't know what to do, you can always think to yourself, God's with me. Oftentimes I'm working late in different cities, and sometimes I'll be working in cities that aren't so nice. And, and sometimes I'll be walking down the street, you know, to my car after a late night or something, and I'll be in a neighbor that maybe I'm not that, you know, uh, you could get a little worried about. And sometimes, you know, that fear creeps in. I often tell myself this, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. God's always with you. God's always with you. God's presence is always with you. You say, I'm scared. Say, I don't know what to do. Hey, you always have, I don't know how the unsaved make it through this world. But we're always connected to God. You've got God's power. You've got God's promise, God's portion, God's presence. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word. And thank you, Father, for the life of Joseph. And Father, I pray you would use this message as a challenge, that you would bless those who are here, and help us to remember that you've got promises for us, you've got portions for us, you've got your presence indwelling us. Help everybody to come back on Wednesday night for the Bible study. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.